From the ashes a fire shall be woken, a light from the shadows shall spring, renew shall be blade that was broken, the crownless again shall be king. By J.R.R. Talking from the Fellowship of the Ring. Welcome, this is No One to Someone, the show about the lives of your favorite authors, filmmakers, artists, and composers. Stories that will help inspire you that you are someone too. John Ronald Rule talking, master of languages, liturgist of ancient north, Oxford professor, poet and storyteller, creator of Rivendell and the Blacklands of Mordor, hobbits and the maker of Middle-earth, was and still is one of the most commemorated authors of fiction of all time. To this day, his legacy lives on and continues to impact our lives and other great writers. Tolkien is mostly known for his writings of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Even though he has been condemned by the English literature establishment with honorable exceptions, he's loved by millions of readers worldwide. So, who was he before he became the someone we know and love? John Ronald Rule Talking was born in South Africa of English parents. His memories of Africa were slight but vivid, including a scary encounter with a large hairy spider, which later on influenced his writings to a certain extent. But a much darker memory clouded the young Ronald's mind. On February 15, 1896, at a very early stage of his life, his father passed away. He and his mother and his younger brother moved to England, or more particularly, the West Midlands. This event caused him to move to the southern edge of Birmingham in the countryside where his mother had grown up, here to ease the pain of the passing of their father. His mother would create tales and fictitious adventures, which would put a smile on the young Ronald and his little brother. Most nights, she would light up a candle and with a cut-up paper lamp, would create marvelous shadow figures on the wall to expand on their imagination. While growing up in the countryside, Young Ronald discovered the love and deep abiding in nature, and eventually, the roots of his world. He loved to draw landscapes and trees, but his favorite lessons were those concerning languages. His mother taught him the beginnings of Latin very early. However, his life took another turn, just as it had before. In 1904, only when he was 12 years old, his mother passed away from ongoing, untreated diabetes. A few years prior to dying, she converted to Catholicism, which was something profound and of significance for young Ronald, as he remained Catholic all his life in honor to his mother. Before the passing of his mother, she assigned the guardianship of her two sons to her closest friend, Father Francis, 
a man who extremely influenced young Ronald all his life. He made sure to bring them up as Catholics and in order to stay close to them, he moved them to a boarding house. By this time, he was already attending King Edward's school where he met three magnificent friends who became very close to him and shared his love for the art, poetry and music. Young Ronald was a master at creating his own languages and did it for mere entertainment. This group of friends believed they could conquer the world through the arts so they formed a club where they shared their latest works. The club was called the TCBS, which stands for Tea Club and Barovian Society, alluding to their fondness for drinking tea every afternoon after school at the Barrow store. These friends always remained together. Their names were Rob Gilson, Geoffrey Smith, Christopher Weissman, and lastly, the John Talking. Welcome to the tea break or coffee break for future episodes. Every episode, there will be a new coffee drink from around the world introduced so you may try it as well. But today, join me with a cup of tea in honor to the TCBS. Sit back and listen to the rest of the show. of 16, young Ronald met Edith Bratt, who was three years older than he was and living at the boarding house as well. According to Humphrey Carpenter, Edith and Ronald took frequent trips to Birmingham tea shops, especially one which had a balcony overlooking the pavement. There they would sit around and throw sugar cubes into the hats of passers then moved to the next table when the sugar bowl was empty. With two people of their personalities and in their position, Romans was bound to blossom. Both were orphans in need of affection and they found that they could give it to each other. During the summer of 1909, they decided that they were in love. His guardian, Father Francis, when was told of the situation prohibited young Ronald from talking to, meeting with, or even corresponded with Edith, due to her age and being a Protestant. By this time, young Talking was entering Exeter College in Oxford, and forced to be moved away from Edith, he accepted the prohibition, but perhaps he only accepted it since Father Francis told him that he would cut his university career short if he disobeyed. On the evening of his 21st birthday, Talking finally wrote to Edith. He declared that he had never ceased to love her and asked if she would marry him. Edith replied with sad news. She had already accepted the proposal of George Field, but Edith said that she had agreed to marry Field only because she felt on the shelf and had begun to doubt that Tolkien still cared for her. She explained that because of his letter, everything 
had changed. On January 8, 1913, Dawkins traveled by train to Edith's place of residence and was met on the platform by her. The two took a walk into the countryside, sat under a railway, and talked. By the end of the day, Edith had agreed to accept Dawkins' proposal. She rode to Field and returned her engagement ring. Edith Brad and Ronald Tolkien were formally engaged at Birmingham in January 1913, and they married at St. Mary Immaculate Catholic Church at Warwick on March 22, 1916. In his 1941 letter to his son Michael, Tolkien expressed admiration for his wife's willingness to marry a man with no job, little money. And no prospects except the likelihood to being killed in the Great War. And like many of his contemporaries, Tolkien did not hurry to join the army when the war broke out. Instead, returning to Oxford to work hard and get a first-class degree, which he did in June 1915. Tolkien ultimately enrolled as a second lieutenant in the Lancashire Fusiliers. Finally, it looked that he would have to leave for France shortly, just right after his marriage with Edith. Just in time for the Somme attack, he was assigned to active action on the Western Front. He suffered the trench fever, a virus common in the insanitary surroundings, after four months in and out of the trenches. Then he was transferred back to England in early November, where he spent the following month in a Birmingham hospital. By Christmas, he was well enough to remain with Edith at their home. When going back to the university, he tried to publish numerous works that were inspired by his experiences. They were well received, but it was not enough to keep him at his job at Exeter College. So then, he found a job as a professor at the University of Leeds. Here he assisted and collaborated with many writers in writings that went to become quite famous. This encouraged him to refine his own stories and languages. While living in Leeds, Tolkien and Edith had their first child, Michael, in October 1920, and his second child, Christopher, in 1924. In 1925, when made aware that a position of being a professor was open at Oxford, he immediately applied. Was given the job. Coming back to Oxford was like coming back home. He was ready to show his abilities in academics, which were quite remarkable. He held his position till his retirement. However, it was not his academic achievements that made him successful as a writer, but it was his imaginary tales told to his kids. While being a professor and raising his children, he would often write his own bedtime stories for them, just as his mother once did. And one day, while trying to create a new story for their amusement, he wrote, "In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit." This was the beginning of something. His children wanted to learn more about this hobbit, and Edith encouraged him to keep writing. After all, she was the one he trusted for an opinion on his writings. In a letter, he says, "Hobbit was intended to be my children's story." 
for private amusement with no necessary connection to the mythology created before, but naturally became attracted towards this dominant construction causing the tale to become larger and more heroic as he proceeded. It was the story he could write about dragons, hobbits, elven people, humans, and dwarves, living in a world that he could create with languages of his own. This was something he knew how to do, and he kept on writing. In 1936, an incomplete typescript came into the hands of Susan Dagnall, an employee of the publishing firm of George Allen and Owen, and it was published as The Hobbit in 1937. It immediately scored a success and has not been out of children's recommended reading lists ever since. It was so successful that Stanley Unwin asked if he had any more similar material available for publication. This was the beginning of The Lord of the Rings, which took 12 years to complete and it was published in three parts in 1954 and 1955. Tolkien had a hard childhood and life, but he did not stop fighting to accomplish what he wanted. He found love and inspiration on Edith. His stories conveyed the message love wins over evil, always, and that is because of her. This evil is seen as the modern world, or the ring in the Lord of the Rings, which invokes materialism in the modern society. The attempt to actualize our desires, tyranny, cohesion to create power in this world. Also, he draws this from the Greek mythology, the story of Icarus, who flew too close to the sun. The Hobbit has been translated into more than 50 languages and has sold 100 million copies worldwide. Lord of the Rings has sold 150 million copies worldwide. No One to Someone is a podcast recorded at the University of Valley Forge. This series is written and hosted by me, Abner Camacho. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to No One to Someone to hear more about your favorite authors, filmmakers, actors, and composers. This show is to inspire you to accomplish your dreams. Never ever give up.